the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll on. Hey, here we are. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. And as always, for telling your friends that you hang out right here on these other parts, these other sides of Texas, the other side of Texas. Hope that your week is off to a grandiose start. Uh, We have a lot of show coming for you today. Uh, We're going to cover an exclusive interview, Karina Bilbrey has a daughter, cerebral palsy, in Leveland. Her daughter, Bailey, cannot leave her chair and has been under treatments in a couple of weeks at a time. Uh, home visitation covered by Medicaid. I believe that Bailey's father is a diesel mechanic, works a couple of jobs. The expenses are so high that it's hard, that they still are eligible given the sorts of medical expenses day to day folks listen bottom line that's coming up about 30 minutes from now power pack show for you um listen you can be pro-life but that doesn't just end at the womb and we're in a state that's run by pro-life leaders that's that have not come up with and i think because they've not applied enough time and effort to the issue of children like bailey on substantive solutions they've not and have not and so now you're going to hear about the straits that one family representative of of many families i believe especially rural families on access to care and health care with their children disingenuous to say the least not inconceivable disingenuous so this is where I want to kick off with you today as we roll along and rave on here on your other side. I'm not a fan of term limits, and let me tell you why. Because it's easy to say, well, we can drain the swamp, we can get these guys out, they should only serve for so, for so long. But whenever you hire these guys by electing these guys, it takes them one or two sessions, whether that be in Congress, I would argue even the U.S. Senate, uh, the Texas Senate, the U, the Texas House of Representatives, it takes them a couple of sessions to find where the paper clips are, where, um, where the light bulbs are, to find their way around. In the next legislature, you'll see some between six and eight thousand bills put up. What committees do they go to, and how difficult is it's way off in the weeds, and it takes a while to acclimate. But guess. Who knows where the paper clips are? Guess who knows where the committees are? Guess who knows where the dead bodies are? And those are bureaucrats and staffers. And until I see substantive policy that says not only are we going to get rid of these guys, these elected officials, after two or three terms, four terms, whatever it's going to be, how many ever terms, we're also going to get rid of the bureaucrats and the staffers because I'm going to tell you right now, a bad republic, a bad democracy is one that's led by bureaucrats, staffers, and maybe lobbyists. And of course, I'm not talking about all staffers. 
and I'm not talking about all bureaucrats, but there are a few I have in mind, and there's one in particular that I have in mind. But let me tell you first, this all based on this crazy uh, exchange I had on Friday. Unprovoked on Friday. Broadcasting from the Racer Car Wash Studios, voted Lubbock's Best Wash for five years running. Stop into one of five convenient locations for the best wash around. Guaranteed. Racerwash.com. You want to chime in, you can do so right here on our other side text line. It's 806-745-5800. That's 806-745-5800. You can text in your thoughts as we roll along. So on Friday, presumptive House Speaker... Dennis Bonin. Of course, you and I don't get to vote for who the speaker is. Our representatives vote. 150 across the state vote for who the speaker is going to be. It's widely believed that Dennis Bonin, who I like and have admired and have, uh, I believe, been on these airwaves with before uh, from Angleton, is uh, the presumptive next speaker. Now, Dennis Bonin has been on a reconciliation tour trying to get everybody on the same page. The name of Pete Laney, who you hear often on this program, invoked the kind of house that he wants to run. Like Pete Laney, a Democrat, I would argue at this point in time, would be an independent, um, kind of in the other side of Texas mode. But that's the name that gets invoked with the kind of style. But... You've got out-of-control staffers and bureaucrats in the way, as I mentioned earlier. And one of them put in a place of position at the Bonin event. And I don't think is a good representation of Bonin or even the state representative for whom this character works. And a character like, and I'll go ahead and say his name. His name's Matt Crow. And uh, Matt Crow works for my state representative, Dustin Burroughs. And I walked into the Merced Alumni Center, Alumni Center on uh, Friday. It's the invitation. I was invited by a couple of people. The invitation said general reception. Usually that means pretty informal. Come by, and that's what I intended to do on my on my lunch on Friday. It was just to go by, shake Bonin's head uh, hand. I'm sorry, not his head, his hand. And, you know, I've raised some concerns about where he would be on a vet school on the program and wanted to just make sure that I, I never want to be the guy behind the microphone, the guy behind the keyboard. Like, I'm going to go put my money where my mouth is and go wish him the best. If he is to be the speaker, or even if he's not, he's going to be a top lieutenant in the House and deserves to be. He's very politically proficient, very politically competent. And wanted to go by, shake his hand. I walk into the Merced Alumni Center there and the campus of Texas Tech at the Alumni Association. And walk down the hall and I see one Matt Crow behind a table. Now, I understand that name doesn't mean much to you and it ought not, other than outside of this story. I get three quarters down that hallway and Matt Crow disappears. Um... And then reappears as I get to the end. He meets me belly to belly. Now, and it's belly to belly, nose to nose. Confrontation. And it begins like this. And parents, if you're driving with children 
or you're listening on the podcast, I'm going to give you to the count of zero to turn it down. Because I'm, I'm going to quote what this fella had to say. This fella who is the poster boy for term limits. Five, four, three, two, one. I don't see him at first. I hear him. You got a lot of balls for showing up here. A lot of balls. And then who invited you? Who invited you here? You are not welcome here. Now, can you imagine being... Again, I'm on the term limits thing. Can you imagine this guy hanging around in government for a few more years? Like, this is anything but for the people. And this, again, my state representative. And I don't know to what extent this reflects upon Burroughs. But it to, it does to some extent. It tells me that I'm not welcome there, that I've not been invited, and that I need to leave and uh, I told him, to be frank, I told him, you've got a lot of, in a uh, Cousin Eddie sense, you've got a lot of septic matter to tell me that. And uh, you may do that septic matter to other people, but you won't do it to me. To which he relents. He's obviously trying to provoke me. And at this point, I'm embarrassed that somebody might, you know, a Ted Mitchell, a, a Kent Hans somebody might come out and see and i'm i'm embarrassed for him in the way that he's acting he's obviously trying to provoke me physically and to which i stuck out my index finger lightly lightly jab because i don't want a harassment charge from this guy um i jab him in the lapel and i turn around and i walk out and you know look i don't know his story i know that he was uh, dismissed from Randy Nagabauer's staff for whatever reason, uh, just left Randy Nagabauer's staff. And I, I'm told that umpteen times for whatever reason. I'm not sure what that reason was, but he did work for Randy Nagabauer, a uh, former U.S. congressman, uh, polls very lowly in the district, but for whatever reason, Matt Crow um, confronted me the way he did, and for whatever reason, he also left Nagabauer's staff. Not somebody that I think needs to know where the paper clips are, and I think is a pretty poor representation, not only of State Representative Dustin Burroughs, but also, and excuse me, I know a lot of you are listening from Houston and Austin, but let me get back on with this in DFW um, on the podcast side. These are the people you don't want in charge once representatives leaves. And to me, Matt Crow is emblematic of every reason why term limits need to be broader than just state representatives. And that's just the other side of the issue. And that's just me raving on. And we're going to take a quickie break. Crow on, my friends. Crow on. I saw miles, miles of Texas. All the stars up in the sky. I saw miles and miles of Texas. You know, the Bible says a thing or two about the least and the last of these. And I think whenever you look out of, uh, across the plane of children, not the P-L-A-I-N, but the P-L-A-N-E of children, um, there are some who deserve a great deal of help. And uh, especially those who are 
disabled and I would argue severely disabled. And we got a mother coming on to talk about her experience. Try to let her rave on a little bit herself and uh, talk about what she's got going on uh, with her daughter Bailey. And it'll be Karina uh, Bilbrey that comes on with us here in about uh, 20 minutes from now. Is you know some texts in, eat them up, um, add a boy. You know, look, I don't have a lot of time to suffer fools. The point is, is that this guy represents not only his boss, but also the presumptive speaker of the house at this event. Now, had he come on and said, had he come up to me and said, hey, look, um, we have our differences, but you're not invited here, and I don't see your name on the list, well, that might have well been true. Because I was invited secondarily by people in the room who just thought, you know, it's just a general reception. Had he come up and said, you know, you weren't invited and um, I can't let you in and I hope that you understand. I'd have done the same. I'd have just turned around and said, okay, uh, thank you. No offense. But whenever you try to provoke someone... Someone certainly with a with a microphone, then it deserves to be commented on, and that's why I just it's so petty, and it's so unworthy of of decorum and anything else. It's just unbelievable, and, and that's why I wanted to share the story with you, and we, that's the status of petty West Texas politics. But I mean, maybe they weren't embarrassed. Uh, people who knew about this afterwards. And and did I tell you the best part whenever I was leaving? Now, I feel like I've done a thing or two for Texas Tech over the past couple of, I don't know, the past couple of uh, months, the past few months. But for me to look up whenever I'm leaving and campus police is there as though they've been called in to usher me out. I mean, come on. That is not Tom Petty, but... Uh, super petty in in so many ways it just is what we've got here is failure to communicate yeah. and, that, and that's right failure to communicate um uh i tell you what we're gonna take a quick break here Weather. you were sitting with a grin you do the sound of hailstones hitting tin it's loud enough, you gotta yell now The whole thing hits me like a song A pretty one, it won't last long At the end of every Texas legislature, which meets every other year on odd number years, you have to go in for a conference for the House and the Senate to agree on a budget, and each chamber sends their conferees. And in 2015, what happened was that the House sent its conferees, the Senate sent its conferees, and in the Senate, what they did was brought in a, a but what's called a budget writer, and they wanted to gut the state of acute care therapy by 150 million dollars in funding. And in doing so, by gutting the 150, 
They also put up a loss of $200 million in federal matching Medicaid funds, which amounts to $350 million. So it's not wrong to lead with this. The state cut $350 million from acute care therapy. Now, what's acute care therapy? There are children who are born who don't know, you know, all of us who've had children wait on that baby to suckle mom's breast for the first time. There are some children who are born who cannot do that, who 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 have to be taught how to do that. And some of us have walked through that from time to time. And some children need what's called speech therapy to get through that. It's called speech therapy. They aren't trying to talk. They're essentially, and I don't mean to take gutter language here, being taught to suck. And what happened there is that they're, they were cut that money, and then folks with children in these positions were brought to to file a lawsuit that they had lost access to care, especially folks who live in rural regions. Now, what would happen was, what had happened was, parents were put in a position, especially if they lived outside of Lubbock or major metro areas, uh, the only two of which in the Caprock and the Panhandle being Amarillo and Lubbock, to have to um, provide, there would be, you see home health care networks a lot who go out. And rather than bring these children into hospitals to incur the, the sorts of money that they would have to incur, uh, they were brought in, they would bring in home health care. Because these hospitals are built on cost models. And one of their cost models is not to facilitate children with extreme needs. It would be better to send out practitioners, to send out folks who um, specialize in this to the houses. And that was a good arrangement. And, And not just a good, but a great arrangement. But then the state cut money that goes in. Look, these are for private businesses. They don't do this on a nonprofit but they are put in a position to be nonprofit. So these folks were put together a lawsuit and had their day in court. And what essentially happened was they went to court, uh, lost, and went to the appeals court. And the appeals court said, You don't have any. They lost because they were told. Medicaid recipients don't have any standing. Uh, where where do you sue from? And then the appeals court said the same thing, that you lack jurisdiction. And that appeals court, by the way, was the third ap- appeals court of Texas, which is based out of Travis County, which if I'm reading this correctly, had five, has five justices and a chief. And in the last election, 2008, call this Beto O'Rourke's uh, coattails, call it whatever you want to, they lost in the last, uh, last go-around in court, but 
four of the five justices who were Republicans and lost to Democrats. So now there's a whole new field. And I don't know if they'll put up a new election with new results. We'll have to wait and see. A new court case, I should say, that goes then again to the third court of appeals but after the third court of appeals said what they said the texas supreme court said it's texas supreme court by the way the masters of abdicating and advocating meaning we're just going to punt there are big calls in the last legislature to reverse these cuts sarah davis out of west university place in houston tried her best to put together millions of dollars in the special session that did not go through but the point is this this all began in 2015 and now the chickens are coming home to roost and now these families are beginning to hurt that's the back story we're going to get into the front story stick with us we'll have our friend Karina Bilbrey on it to talk about her daughter and what they're going through right here on the other side. Stick right with us, quickie break, and get in with you on the other side. Today, some difficulties. I I think it's may have to do with the phone lines uh, coming in, and uh, got uh, our friend coming up here on this segment with um, a different set of numbers from uh, Scott Braddock, and we'll check in with Braddock later in the week. But for now, Karina Bilbrey is uh, mother in Leveland, and Karina, we just introduced uh, the problem. Uh, the legislative problem and want you to expound on it but first of all tell us a little bit about yourself tell us about your family and what you're dealing with of course um hello everyone uh, my name is karina bilbrey um i'm married to david Bilger- bilbrey um this last year he started his own business um working towards getting that off the ground um we're parents to bailey bilbrey bailey was a uh, was born in 23 weeks she just actually celebrated her 13th birthday so we're pretty excited um but she has you know several medical issues um she has cerebral palsy um tons of respiratory issues she requires 24-hour round-the-clock care constantly monitored by a pulse ox machine which monitors um oxygen and heart rate she requires pretty much we run uh, an in-home icu is probably the easiest way to make it Mm. clear to everyone of how intense it is caring for Miss Bailey. Yeah. Uh, so in that intensive care unit, the last time I checked in with you, Karina, uh-huh. um, David was a diesel mechanic, and he had two or three jobs, right, trying to carry these bills. He was, uh, I think, Jay, I probably explained it that way to you because he worked so hard. David would go in at 6 and work till 2 or 3 in the morning, but... David's good at what he does, and this year decided. Actually, last year in January, decided to start his own business. So we actually named it after Bailey. It's called Bailey Matt Truck Repair, and he's still working pretty hard trying to. That way, we're able to care for Bailey because I mean it's scary as to what the future may hold for her. Like you mentioned earlier, with all the problems with you know 
the insurance and medical bills, and we're just a family trying to survive to be able to care for her. Yeah, so, Karina, is David around? Is he not home from work yet? He was he was going to try to be, but he actually got called out about 10 minutes ago, so he had to, he had to yeah. cut out and go. Uh, back in 2017, you said that you felt like you were in limbo, uh, given the state's cuts, which including federal cuts, the state did away with $150 million, which also did away with federal aid of $200 million. We deal with other sides of Texas here, Karina, uh, so we want to deal with the particular angle of rural access um, it seems as though you're not in limbo anymore, that you know where the cards are stacked. You know exactly. Yeah. So you may still well be in limbo, but uh, but at least now you know how hard the cards are stacked against you. Give listeners an understanding of where that situation is right now. Um, it's now, like you said, we're not in limbo anymore. It's pretty clear cut that anything, any uh, nursing Bailey may need, any therapist Bailey may need, any doctor's appointments, procedures, anything she needs, you have to jump through hoops to get it approved. Um, ever since, I believe it was in 2013, whenever they it went to the managed care programs, which we chose ours, and um, it, I mean, now they we've had no choice. It, you know, certain doctors take this insurance or this, it, it's been tough, Jay. Bailey's been cut in therapies. She's been cut in half. Just recently, she was denied for physical therapy. I'm going to a fair hearing on January 15th to try to fight that appeal. Yeah, uh, tell today. us. Okay, so Go ahead. I want to get in with the treatment level, but also the access level. Uh, give listeners an idea of what Bailey needs physical therapy for. Bailey needs physical therapy. It helps in her being able to sit up straight, to be able to breathe correctly. Back again to her being a 23-weeker, lungs were so immature that she has a lot of trouble um, oxygenating and breathing. So physical therapy comes in and moves us, teaches us how to position her. Recently, a couple of months ago, she actually was able to weight bear. She stands in a walker, which I'm probably a lot of the listeners see, you know, children in those walkers that help them move. We did not think Bailey was going to be able to weight bear, but she did. And even though the therapist presented this case to a mayor group and said, hey, Bailey's made this progress oh, is now in a walker. Time out. What's a mayor group? Hey, are you, um, are you talking on speakerphone? Yes, sir. Do I uh, take it off? Yeah, could you talk directly in? I think it may be easier yeah, for folks course. to listen. Uh, okay, yes, give uh, folks an understanding of what a mayor group is. A mayor group is our medical um, managed care organization. Whenever we were switched to Star Kids, we were able to choose between Amerigroup or Superior, um, and we chose Amerigroup, and they're the ones that my understanding is Amerigroup is given X amount of money and says, okay, Medicaid uh, gives them X amount of money. Now you make the decision what these children need, what medical procedures, what do they need, and for everything that they deny, Amerigroup gets a bonus, gets gets um, pretty much bonuses for what they deny. That's why you hear it's been called, um, you know, we have a group, we're also part of another group called Protect Texas Fragile Kids. They talk about that also. I mean, these kids, anything that they're denied, a mayor group is making a buck for. It's my understanding as mom, the way it's being presented to me. Okay. So back to the treatment level, mm-hmm. you chose them because why? 
from what I did, I called uh, pretty much all her specialists, called offices and said, pretty much pretty simple, um, are y'all taking Amerigroup or Superior? With Bailey's doctors, everyone that I've been using for years for her, they all took Amerigroup. So my decision was is easy in that sense that I didn't want to move. I don't want to move her doctor that she's had for 10 years that only knows her. So I'm going to go with, you know, say the pulmonologist that took the Amerigroup. It's pretty much you have a decision but not have a decision in the roundabout way. I'm going to go, you know, what's best for Bailey is always what I do. So that was my decision is why I chose Amerigroup. So we know that Bailey has cerebral palsy, confines her to a chair, never been out of her chair, right? No, Jay, she's a total lift. Um, the nurses and David and I, we have to lift her. Um, she's still, she's incontinent, so we still have to use diapers. We're still changing diapers at 13 years old. I mean, she requires intense care. I mean, she does nothing for herself. She can't sit up on her own. She has to have special, special chairs, special bed. Yeah special wheelchair i mean yes sir she's a total care she is she is classified under what's called acute care therapy um karina let's span out a little bit from bailey and tell us about other children who may be impacted what do they talk about g-tubes talk about other generalities of children who could be impacted by these cuts by half the care that they were receiving, as it were. Oh, yes. I've, I've heard some horror stories over the last few months. Um, we recently started, an, a, it's called Omni. It's a special needs group. We meet every Monday, first Monday of the month, and listening to other stories from parents. I mean, um, it's, 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 it's the most thing that bothers me is when, say, a child needs a certain, a certain surgery, but, hey, sorry, this doctor won't take your, your insurance. So, these parents are having to drive three, four, five hours away just to find a doctor that is covered under their med- their insurance to do a procedure. I mean, do they not understand how tough it is for these for these children? We took Bailey to Dallas one time for an eye appointment. I mean, on the drive, there's not restrooms where we can change her. It is tough on these families having to take these children on the road to a doctor that's four or five hours away. Um, Bailey also has a G tube. I mean, feedings, I mean, there you have to have your feeding pump. It's it's, it's intense, Jay. I mean, it's not so simple. Bailey but... does not, just to delineate this, I understand uh-huh. what you're saying, but folks may not. Uh-huh. Um, Bailey does not eat. Does she eat from her mouth? No. Or it's, it's all nutrients no, Bailey, that go in through yeah, her nutrients. belly button. Yes, sir. Bailey has never eaten by her mouth. She's called. She's what they call a silent aspirator, so anytime Bailey tries to eat, the food will go into her lungs, which can cause pneumonia, which in turn, you know, can cost her her life. We've had her very sick before they, before doctors actually figured out that she was a silent aspirator. We, we practically lived at the hospital. We weren't ever home because no one could figure it out until they finally did a test that showed that anytime she eats, the food bypasses and goes right to her lungs and she gets severely ill. So Bailey will always be on a G-tube. And granted, there is some children that, you know, the nutrients, they do G-tube for a while and they come off of it. But in Bailey's case, the most severely medical fragile child like her, that is not going to ever happen. That will never happen. Hmm. They will always eat that way. They've recently told you that you're going to go essentially from two treatments a week to one. Uh, What does that mean, Mm -hmm. Mom? What does that mean on a practical basis for you? Um, Say just, for example, occupational, which was today when I was very upset when they said that. It's tough, Jay. Uh, with occupational, occupational means helping her with everyday things. You know, realistically, we know Bailey will never dress herself. We get it. We understand that. But it's something as simple as Bailey pushing an arm through it, through a, 
through a, a T-shirt trying to help out. It's as much as Bailey opening up her hand and grasping things. It's simple things like that that now with cutting her to once a week, she's going to regress. She's not going to be able to, you know, she's consistently been making progress. I see the, the therapist shares with me Bailey's progress. You know, we, we talk about it, you know, constantly. But cutting her to one week, she's going to regress. And on their paper, the way they judge things, it's not realistic. Today on the phone I was told she didn't score high enough on a standard test score. That is not that. That is so unfair. What kind of standard test score? See, that's what I asked, and I couldn't get a clear answer, and that's the like problem I'm running into. Like an ACT or an SAT type of test score? <laughs> See, that's what I picture in my mind. To be very honest with you, and I didn't get a clear answer from them, and yeah. that's I feel like they're not ever going to really give us a clear answer. Do I really know what I'm battling? No, I don't know what they're looking at. That's what I told her today. I don't know what you're reading in Article Five, Sentence Four. I don't get it. I don't know. All I know that my child is 13 years old and functions probably at an eight, nine, ten month old level. How in the world are you judging her on a standardized test score when she can't even speak? How is that? It doesn't make it doesn't make good sense to me. Um, it, it's tough. They. The criteria that they tried to base on why on how they can say, hey, okay, this is how you get twice a week, it just doesn't make sense. It's not fair. It's, yeah. it's disgusting. It's not fair. Karina Bilbrey here with us on other side of Texas talking about access to health care in extreme cases here. Karina, listen, I want you to put it in your own words, but it seems to me that we're a state that's very pro-life. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever you see pro-life lawmakers, pro-life politicians who may have voted against the cuts that you need, um, how's that? How's that feel? It's infuriating. Um, some people who fight so hard. How early? Say, how oh. early did you know that that Bailey would have these problems? Didn't know, Jay. Um, I. Bailey was born in 23 weeks. I was already in the hospital because I was having issues, but we were doing everything we could to keep my pregnancy. My water broke spontaneously. So up until then, my last um, uh, ultrasound, Bailey was a healthy, normal child. The only reason Bailey is delayed now is because at 23 weeks, my water broke, and I went into preterm labor. Um, her heart never stopped beating. She never stopped to breathe. She, she never stopped. She was alive, so that is why. You know, she's alive. She fought. She was here. You know, it's, we didn't know. We didn't know. When she was born, she had a grade, two weeks after being born, she had a grade four bleed. And on her brain on the left side, it was a massive bleed. And that's where we come into having these mental delays, the deficits. Because 23 weeks, most people wouldn't even resuscitate a 23-weeker, from my understanding. But Bailey's heart never stopped beating. Never. Bailey's heart never has stopped beating. So... The, it's a life. the precipice of this conversation is $350 million in cuts by lawmakers. Um, uh, some people would have, and I don't want to get too far into your personal life here, but I can imagine uh-huh. as a father who's done this, we only went to the hospital three times. We came home with four, okay? But um, three of them were born within a 20-month span. There would have been, had you known, had she not been born so prematurely, uh, and this played out another month, then you might have known what was going on. 
there would have been some that would have encouraged you to perform an abortion. Um, and I'm not saying in any way that they had groundings to give you counsel either way. Right. But there would be many who would have outlawed that. Uh, and some who would have outlawed it have also voted for these cuts. What do you say? to You're, you're live on radio. What do you say to those yeah. lawmakers? Without cussing, say, please. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. Um, it's She's alive. I mean, she's you fight so hard, and that's a lot of people, that's their platform as to the reason why they vote, because pro-life, pro-life, I get it, but the life, she's here, so now you want to cut, you want to cut the opportunity that she has to make some progress, to have a, to have a life, to, you know, what is living, what is, are you, are you living, are you existing, we're trying to give her a life, let her live, but every turn we take, there's a new there's a new law there's a new rule there's a new just because my child's not perfect my child can't run my child can't play my child can't talk my child doesn't tell me mom i love you i know she loves you but she can't say it but still her life is precious just as precious as the child who runs around who you know who can talk and say mom and dad i love you my child's just as precious why should they be able to determine whether she gets physical therapy what how should they determine whether i need nursing care they're it's they're so out of touch i wish these legislators these 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 representatives would come to our home see spend a day with us 24 hours and see how intense it is when you show them whenever you show these representatives the reality uh what's their response um they 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 want to look away i had an opportunity to sit with some representatives before and I remember saying I'll never forget it I said oh I have pictures of her try you know moved them across the table I saw it in their eyes they they didn't really want to look they were afraid nobody wants the real nobody wants to see it the same thing when I take her out in public people look away nobody wants to see everybody wants to be safe in their little bubble and say you know but nobody wants to deal with it and it's heartbreaking and it's sad and it and it hurts you know, I saw the looks on their face. They didn't want to look. They did, but they didn't want to. Karina, I would you imagine know? that it would trouble David. And I've never met David. I've only talked with mm-hmm. you before. Uh, uh-huh. You and I began this conversation, what, uh, two years ago? Two years ago, yes, um, And I've not met David, but knowing a guy who has a truck repair business uh, has mm-hmm. a lot of pride. Um he I'm, does. I'm he sure. Does. I'm sure he would not want to take Medicaid dollars, but no. he's in the position to have to. Um, do you mind me asking you about how much money he makes? Jay yeah, right now David just started his own business, so really I can't give you an exact amount right now. But before, I mean, he was working. Oh, before! Oh, when he was working, God, crazy hours. Um, David was probably, and this is working. They. 18, 19 hour days. We only made it because of overtime. I would say he probably averaged about eighty to ninety thousand a year. So eighty to ninety thousand, and still mm-hmm. eligible for Medicaid, and that says right. something about the extremity of your circumstances. This is not a man who's sitting around watching Wheel of Fortune in the afternoons <laughs> before his wife calls no. into radio stations, right? No. Yesterday he got to sit with her and he hadn't sat with her in two weeks because 
jobs kept pulling him away and he wanted to be home but he couldn't so yesterday he got to sit with Bailey for the first time in a couple of weeks and it was really cute because she really didn't want to talk to him she was she was upset with him she hadn't seen daddy but we we make a David makes a lot of sacrifices for Bailey to have what she has and you know it, it, it's tough um, just for quickly her breathing treatments every month breathing treatments alone if we did not have Medicaid Bailey's just breathing treatments alone by themselves are ten thousand dollars a month. Why does she $10, need breathing? Why why does she need breathing treatments? Um, back to her being born so early, being a twenty three weeker, her lungs were so immature. Um, she takes um, she has a lot of secretions, a lot of goes back to why she needs around the care nursing. If these secretions aren't controlled, she can plug off and stop breathing during the night. That's why she has to have a nurse sit with her all night. The secretions become thick. Um, she has a lot of allergies, which, of course, you know, exacerbates the asthma. Um, it's respiratory, probably 85, 90% of her care. Um, so, yeah, breathing treatments alone, I asked one time, you know, if I didn't have Medicaid, what would I be looking to pay? And it was $10,000. And that's, I want to say, roughly maybe four different medications. So you're talking at least, you know, 2500 per medication. Hmm. No one can realistically pay that. No one. I don't care how much anyone works. That's not, you know, it's not It's not feasible. It can't happen. Yeah. But she needs you know? it to live. She needs it to live. Exactly. Hmm. And now it's with these managed care organizations, getting Bailey's medications has been hell. Um, they're getting sent to wrong pharmacies. They're, everything is a mess. Things Things are not easy. They make things, things are very hard right now to get medications on time. We have to wait every 30 days. I cannot call a refill in till probably day 28, 29 to get that medication back. And before managed care organizations came in, I could call as early as 10, 15 days to make sure the medicine was there. Now I can't till day 29 because they won't allow it. So you're hoping that when you call in, this medication is there and you're able to get it because if not, you know, what do you do? It's, they make things hard. They make us jump through hoops. They, it's not easy. It's not in any way, shape, or form. Okay. And a parent like me will speak up, but I also speak up for the parents that can't. So many parents that I speak to are afraid. They're afraid to rock the boat. They're afraid to question because they believe if I question, what else are they going to take away? Yeah. It's, it's, it's ugly. It's ugly. Well, while you're in that mode, we always say rave on on the program. We have about a minute left. Uh, for folks who may not understand your predicament, uh, what other what other issues would you like? And I would argue, fellow taxpayers who are looking at priorities, why should these children be a priority? What else is there that we need to be looking at here, Karina? Just because it doesn't affect you right now doesn't mean it never will. I've been in the hospital by beside someone that had a child that was jumping on a bed, fell, hit their head. And now, you know, they were handicapped then. Everyone takes for granted that your life is okay and, oh, this doesn't affect me, but you never know when it will. So, you know, fight with us. Help us. I mean, try to understand. Um, you see a special needs family in, in, in public, say hi. Go over. I mean, you see people, you know, touch a, a child that they see. Oh, they're, they're cute or hi. We want to be treated with the same respect. We want, you know, just... I feel like we're we're not treated, you know, equally. It's just even just a high or get to know our situation. I I say it on my Facebook all the time, you know, fight with me. You know, I share things all the time. Um, I'd like to give out a shout-out to our special needs group. They're on the first Monday of every month. 
we meet. I mean, come out. If you know someone that's a special, that has special needs children, just just interested and you want to help, come out. Sit with us, you know. Find out what we can all do together to make our voice be heard, you know, for these medically fragile children that don't have a voice right now. But us, you know, their parents and anyone else who's willing to help. Well, I can say this. There's a story in the New Testament about a man who fell down by the roadside. And I think the bottom line of that story is the neighbor is the one who helps. And um, you don't want to live in a place where the least of these don't get help. And I don't mean to say to you that you, by your own volition, are the least of these. But we're glad to open up these airwaves and allow you to have time, Karina. And thank you for making time and coming on and saying what needs to be said. Oh, Jay, thank you for having me. I appreciate it so and, uh, we'll much. And we'll keep in touch, and all the things we talked about <laughs> offline, you're going to keep me abreast of, right? Yes, sir, I will definitely right. will. Uh, Karina Bilbrey, you can look up Bailey. It's B-A-Y-L-E-E, right? Yes, yes, right. sir. Bailey Bilbrey. Uh, thank you, Karina. Rave on, thank you. <laughs> all right, there you go. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. Uh, going to get into our last little break here. Tell you what we got coming up tomorrow. If, if you think that what you heard here was provocative, wait till what you hear coming up. Wait, hold on. Let's just go ahead and tell them now. Want to? Yeah, let's go ahead and tell them now. Hey, uh, if you like that, tomorrow on the program we have Texas Tech President Lawrence Skubinet coming on talking about What's going to happen uh, with these dreamers? And uh, why is he, because it's easy to say we don't want to pay in-state tuition. Well, what's the other side of the issue? Give you the opportunity to decide there. Also, our friend Mike Bazaar going to come on and talk to us about uh, technology. Tuesday, some good tech gifts that you might be on the lookout for. Some of you dads who are like me, even though it's already the 10th of November, uh, you need to find some good gifts too. So, Stick right there with us tomorrow. Tune back in. Download that podcast. Listen to it again. They're at OSTX Show on Twitter, Other Side of Texas on Facebook, Other Side of Texas.com. Until next time, I'm going to get home. Got to get home. Great family. Above average dinner waiting for me. And uh, rave on, buddies. Rave on. We'll see you next time right here on the Other Side of Texas. Break on the mountain, rubbing it.